And I know Easter was last Sunday, but we're going to kind of hang out on that Easter scene. We're going to go right back to the cross, kind of where we've been hanging out for the past few weeks in the messages. And it says in Mark 15, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachtina. Preacher tip, if you don't know how to pronounce a word, you just say it confidently and make it up. Have fun with it. I'm not Greek, I don't know. I do know what it means. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled up a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Remember, they're all mocking him. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last and then the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. And when the centurion, the Roman guard who was right there putting him to death, executing him, when he stood there in front of Jesus, he saw how he died. This is the climax of Mark, by the way. Right, in, right, at, right at the end of Mark. This is, this is the moment. You have the Roman centurion coming to this conclusion about this guy, Jesus. Surely, even the enemy who was putting him down recognized that this was the Son of God. And he proved it three days later on that Sunday by rising from the dead. We're going to hang out in this uh, area today because we're asking big questions in this series. We're calling it Journey. Life is a journey full of ups and downs, highs and lows. It's not always pretty. And so we have questions. And so I think it's okay to ask questions. And today we're going to be talking about a tough one of why, why. But before we do that, I want to ask a question. If you could travel anywhere in the world today, if you could go anywhere in the world today, I know you church people are like, I'd be right here at church. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Where would you go? Um, uh, for me, it's a beach anywhere, Cancun. I love it. But take a few seconds, say hello to like three or four people. Tell them you're glad you're there here today. But you can tell them where's your location, where you want to go. All right. And then you can be seated. So go ahead and say hello to two or three people. I want to welcome in our church online family. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Starla. Kathleen said she would go to British Columbia. Um, and so I just want to, I want to thank you guys for joining in online on the live stream. If you're in the house and you want to join in on the live stream, go at it, go for it. Um, today we're going to uh, talk about the question why. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And a lot of us, the reason I want to kind of talk about this is we can find ourselves on this journey of faith stuck in why. We can, we can be on a journey where we are supposed to move and go forward, and we say at, at Freedom Church, take a next step of faith, but we are stuck in our why. And so I want to get us unstuck from our whys. Uh, have you ever asked why? Have you ever asked why? Like this last Friday, on Friday, I'm walking into my house Friday evening, and I kid you not, there's snow 
coming down in my house on Friday. I'm like, it's April and it's snow. Why? Why? Anybody? We're like, why? My, my son, this was several years ago, comes running into the house and he said, um, he had been playing outside, had a rock in his hand, and he said, Dad, I drew some pictures for you. I drew some pictures. And I'm like, oh, you drew some? Okay, yeah. What, you know, he wanted to go show me. He had taken the rock to my Ford Explorer on the front and chiseled in some little stick man figures. And I'm going, why? Why would you think this was a good idea? I have no idea. Why? Um, driving, I'm, I'm terrible. If you have kids, you know, that's the, that's the go-to question for kids that they're, they're asking why, daddy, why are you driving so fast? Uh, because we're late. Well, why are we late? Because somebody wouldn't eat their food this morning and we got to try to eat some food. Why do we got to eat? We got to eat to live. I don't know. Why do we got to eat to live? Your dad's an idiot. I don't know. I'm like three levels deep on my why and then I have no idea as, as to, to, to what's going on and, and, and why. Um, at some point, we have all asked that question, why? And we, can, we have our joking moments, but we also have those very real and raw traumatic moments of our life where we have something that is unexplainable uh, that has happened and it causes us to question, God, are you there? Are you care? What's going on? And I don't want to blame you for asking those questions. I think that's human nature. Jesus here in, uh, in Mark 15, 34 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And here on this Easter scene, he has been arrested unjustly. He didn't do anything. He's been uh, accused falsely, people lying about him. When you read through that, Jesus stays silent, doesn't really answer back. Pilate's even trying to, to, to the Roman governor is trying to help him out. He stays silent through it all. He has been spit on, mocked, punched, whipped, tortured. Now he's got nails driven through his arms, through his feet. His body's been pierced. He's in his final moments, and he starts to say some things now. As we talked about two weeks ago, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, last week we talked about, he said, it is finished. Here he's saying, my God, my God, why? Seemingly ran random events, senseless, unfair things that are happening, unjust things that are taking place. I mean, purely out of people's jealousy, their own insecurities, their greed for power and status. And this is how he's being treated. And now he's crying out in pure agony and pure pain on this scene. The blood, the gore, the stench. If you and I were there, we would look away. We, we wouldn't want to watch. We would cover our eyes. We would cover other people's eyes in this scene and what is taking place in this moment. And I know for you and I, there have been those why moments in life. The, the traumatic events that we would never wish on anyone that, is, that has taken place. Those moments of abuse, rape, we've lost a job, a, a, a death, a miscarriage, an abortion. In some cases, some people have even been murdered. Like just the things in life that cause you to question 
everything. Here's Jesus in this moment, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the randomness, and what can seem like chaos in our lives, the middle of the, the senseless, random things in our lives. The Easter story, this scene, brings meaning to the randomness. It is human nature for all of us to want to make sense of things. We want to make sense of it. Like, I don't know why this happened. I don't know what's going on or what's next. But we, 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 you don't have to be a Christian to just be like, I, how, does this, how do these things work? I want to see how all of these things. And we, and we generally want to know in these areas what, what is going. And I guess kind of the line of questioning, maybe the question where we're going to be at today is, if God is good, then why is life so hard? The, the, the assumption is if, if God is good, if he is all-knowing, if he's all-powerful, then he either should, he definitely could, I wish he would intervene, and he didn't. If he's, if he's all good, then he should have. So because he didn't, then maybe he couldn't or maybe he wouldn't, and then we question who God is in these moments. These moments of tragedy are a turning point for many of us in our faith journey. In this journey of faith, when you experience these, they are turning points. For some of us, they turn us towards God and our faith increases, but I'm, I'm not going to guilt you if you're like, hey, these things have turned me away and I've started to drift and question my faith. They are turning points for, for us. For a lot of us, we have believed in what I call the bodyguard God. Bodyguard God would not allow these things to happen. Bodyguard God protects me. Bodyguard God is not found in Scripture in Christianity whatsoever. It is never promised in Scripture that I know of where God's going to protect you from everything and all things. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If you follow Jesus, he says, in this world, you will have many trials. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You have other promises where God says, I am with you. All right. So he never says, I'm going to protect you from every terrible thing or any evil thing. Life's always going to be rainbows and unicorns. Not promised in scripture. So if you, if you walked away from Christianity because you thought bodyguard God was real, I'm, I'm going to say it's actually a good thing that you walked away because that's a false God. <laughs> you should have walked away from that God. But I also want to bring you back and invite you into the God of Christianity who says, hey, these things are happening. That's evil. We can look at that. We can point at that and say that was unjust. That was evil. But God is with you. And I want to try to give you some hope in some of those things today. Everything, everything is pointing to a savior. Now, let me, I just, I want to back up here because I forgot this and it's important. If you walked away from God and you're like, well, I don't even believe in God anymore. One, I'm glad you're here. But you got to understand in these turning points, if you start to turn away from God and you start to go towards agnostic or atheistic God, like, hey, there are atheistic world, there is no God. Like you have to check some boxes in that. Like if there is no God in this world, God doesn't exist. No God. That's just you just live your life. You are just then in that world. You are just a clump of cells. You are just biology. That's it. You are a bunch of cells that get active for a little while and then they stop being active. And that is it in that world. 
if, if there is no God, you have to check the box that there's no such thing as value. Your kids don't have value. Your spouse, the other thing, it's all arbitrary, made up stuff, fluff, because it is just, just biology, just matter. That's it. Everything's the same. In, 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 uh, in a godless world, you have to check the box that there is no justice. There is no such thing as injustice. We, 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 when you look at things and you would say, that's wrong. That is not okay. I listed a whole bunch of things that we would all say, that's wrong, that's awful, that's evil. I went through that. That's terrible. In a godless world, no such thing. They're just things that happen with no point. Nobody lives like that, by the way. I've never met an atheist who looks at the world and say, everything's perfect. No, everybody would say there's something in this world that is broken. There is something that is wrong. There is something that needs to be fixed. We may disagree on what all those things are. But all of these things point to the need of a savior. They all point to the need of a fixer. Your only hope in these scenarios for people to have value, to look at something and say, that is wrong, that is unjust, that is broken, that needs to be fixed. The only hope you have is God. And in this scene here, I'm hoping to break it down where we, we get some hope. Where, we, where we're not just left with, well, I guess that's it. That's where it's at. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is actually the first line of Psalm 22. Jesus is on the cross quoting Psalm 22, which is a song. He is telling the people in that area within earshot, which there's a bunch of Jews. They would know their Psalms. They would know Psalm 22. It's a messianic song, which meaning it's the one about the Messiah, the anointed one. So he's like, hey, this one is an important one. You guys know this. I'm going to say the first line of a song, and that's going to invoke a feeling. Have you ever had a song that invokes some type of feeling in your life.
yes, you have. All right. And so I want to break down. I want to do a little bit of teaching, and then I want to kind of preach the back half of the sermon here, okay? There's three things happening in this moment right here as he's saying, my God, my God. I mean, obviously, he's in torture. He's in pain. He's crying out. But there's some things I want to go through Psalm 22 and give you a little bit of a peek at what he's saying here because he's saying, hey, think of this song here. All right. He, one is he was truly forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does that word forsaken mean? It, it means to be abandoned, all right? And so he's, 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 this is the moment where uh, God's wrath, like it says, well, let me read Psalm 22, 1 and 2. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest, these moments where we're crying out in the darkness of our life and heaven seems silent. This is the feeling that he is crying out in that we have also experienced in our why moments of life. He was truly forsaken. Second Corinthians says it like this. He says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, this kind of leaves me scratching my head, but Christ took on the full payment and, and penalty of, of bearing the weight of sin that you and I deserve, okay, once for all time. Now, this leaves me scratching my head because I don't quite know exactly what, how, what's all transpiring in this transaction. I get this verse from, 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 uh, um, from 2 Corinthians, but I don't know exactly everything that's going down, and sometimes it just leaves me scratching my head. Like uh, several years ago, our son, he had a scratch in his throat. And anytime he, he started to eat something, there was just this terrible cough and, and a scratch and this pain and this hurt. And so we didn't know, you know, we were kind of like opening up his mouth. He's real little, can't really talk and can't explain what's going on. And so we're getting kind of nervous. He's not choking, but at the same time, like something seems like it's caught in there. So we take him to the doctor. He says, hey, let's get him to the ear, nose and throat specialist so we can go in there. The ear, nose and throat specialist is me, him and my, my, my like, I don't know, one and a half, two year old son. We're sitting there. He goes, hey, I got to take a look down there with a little camera to see what's going on. I'm like, oh, okay, so are we going to knock him out or whatever? He looks at me and he's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put one arm around both of his arms. You're going to put this one around his head. I promise I'll go fast, but hold tight and we're going to take a look. I'm like, okay. And so my one-year-old is sitting there with me on, on my lap. Here comes daddy, arm around, arm around, hold tight. And I mean, he is like, it was horrible as a dad because he is fighting for his life. And then you feel him go limp because there's just, and then he gets it done in about five seconds, pains over and son. If I'm in that moment, I'm going, who is my dad? Who are you? That's horrible. That's wrong. How, you know, and it's a traumatic moment for me. Sometimes it leaves me scratching my head. I don't know exactly. He was truly forsaken. I'm sure there's some great theologian, one of you, you probably could spell it out in a perfect paper and, and, and deliver it for a, a, a doctorate or whatever. I don't know. But here's what I do know. The more I learn to trust God and listen to him and follow him, even in the moments that I don't fully understand what's taking place in this transaction, the more I learn to trust him and follow him, the more I know he is good. He's doing something and it is good. 
even though it is extremely confusing and painful in the moment. Jesus cried out, why? He was truly forsaken, but he fully trusted in this moment. He was also doing this for prophecy. Who in here is the planner? Like you got the post-it notes, you're the Enneagram type one person maybe, you got things going down, you're the planner. It's okay, okay. Who in there is not the planner? Okay, like you, you're going on vacation and somehow you just magically show up in the destination like packing and tickets and passports, who needs those, right? You just, you, I don't know, you, like I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. All right, I'm the planner. All right, Jesus is the planner. He's a planner in the Old Testament. They say there's like 300 plus prophecies prophesying about the Messiah, prophesying about the anointed one. And boom, 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 boom. Jesus is knocking off all of them, which is why when you read the Old Testament, sometimes we get confused as what's going on. But a big part of reading through the Old Testament, this is a big reason why people believe Jesus is the one, is they're like, Jesus is all over that thing, man. Everything's pointing to the Savior. Like that was Psalm 22. Look at this. Look at this. It says, all, this is verse 7 in Psalm 22. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their head. He trusts the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Uh-oh, that's Matthew 27, 43 where all of this is taking place right there on the cross. In verse, uh, back to Psalm 22, it says, the dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. David is writing the song. He's the author of the song. Crucifixion isn't even a thing. So he's got some sort of prophetic vision of the Messiah on the cross here. This isn't even a thing in his times. He's writing about this hundreds of years prior. All of my bones are on display. People stare and they gloat. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. This is all taking place. Jesus is in pure agony, in pure pain, crying out to Psalm, kind of letting his people know, I know it doesn't look good, but I'm telling you something, I'm a planner. I got this thing figured out. Like I still got eight more prophecies to fulfill before this thing is finished. I'm knocking them all out. You can get excited anytime you want because you have a God who is faithful. He is working when it doesn't look like it. When it doesn't even sound like it, remote, he's like, no, I got this. He is, he is calling out to, the, to Psalm 22 saying, hey, I'm fulfilling some prophecies right here. He's working behind the scenes. When humanity was at its worst in these moments, God was at his best. He's like, no, I still got a few more. Before this thing is finished, we got a few more of these check boxes to check. I'm going to check them all. All 300 plus or however many hundreds there are. He's doing it. So he did it. He was truly forsaken. He was truly doing this for prophecy. He was also doing this for us. Psalm 2022, our 22 ends kind of like this. He says, the future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. That's you and I. Declaring what? He has done it. What is Jesus's last words before he gives up his final breath? It is finished. He's done it. He did it. It's a beautiful picture in a very 
tough moment. And I don't know about your story. I don't know what remains unexplainable, seemingly random. The divorce, the illness, the financial hit, those things that we just cry out to God that leaves us crying in our pillows at night, wondering, God, where are you? Why would you? Do you even care? I'm here to tell you today, I, I don't know why. And I, I'm terrible at answering the question of why, as are you, which is why some of us are still stuck in our why. We're still asking why. And I want to say today that I don't know why. I know who. He says, my God, my God. Something I have found with people when they transition from, hey, Mike, because I have some friends that they're not really, they may be spiritual at best, but they're like, hey, could you maybe pray to whoever that thing is that you pray, that guy up there, the man upstairs or something about this issue? And that's more like your God. Can you pray to your God? But I know when people transition from your God to my God, things start to change. There's a sense of trust that even though I'm going through this, this is my God. This is me and him. My God. Why? But I want to also say that a better question than why, because I will more than likely not get an answer. You might get an answer, but you're not guaranteed an answer to your why. A better question is what? What are you doing, God? What do you want me to see, God? What is my next step? When I've stopped asking why and start asking what, then I start seeing some action get going and a little bit of flow. For me, as I was kind of prepping this, I was thinking about back in 2007, I was getting ready to teach Sunday school that morning and it's a summer of July and I get a flat tire on my way to church. And it's hot. It's July, sun's out or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, God, I'm supposed to be teaching Sunday school to teenagers, supposed to be helping you out. And here I got a flat tire and I'm not a car person. So it takes me like three, four, 10 times as long to do anything normal. I change the flat tire, put on the spare, get it done. I'm already going to be late, but all right, we're ready to rock and roll. I put the spare down and it's flatter than the other one. And I'm like, why God? I'm on your team. It's hot. I'm angry. I didn't eat breakfast. Now I'm like the Snickers guy. I'm having it out with God. Why? He goes, he didn't speak audibly. God, I think, speaks more to your soul. It's invisible. He, he just kind of just lets you know. And I had this moment where he's like, you're not, it's not about a flat tire. Okay. You, I'm calling you to be a pastor. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I, I would have rather just go back to the flat tire thing. I don't want to be a pastor, thank you. But I knew that was when God called me to be a pastor back in 2007. Started ministry in 2008. Go through ministry. We're loving it, having a great time with, with youth group. And then all of a sudden, somewhere along that way, I describe it as an itch. Uh, at first, you get an itch and you just kind of scratch it. But then you just, it never really went away. You just kind of keep scratching. And there was something that was kind of off with, with ministry. We didn't quite know what. Couldn't quite put our pulse on it. But just an itch. Something needed to change. Something needed to, to, to go. And the, the, the thing that God spoke to my soul, the what, in two years, I'll let you know. In two years, I'll let you know. Kind of comforting. Like, okay, God heard me. He sees in two years, I'll let you know. And, and, and the other side, it's very disturbing because I'm like, what's going to happen in two years? 
And why can't you answer me now? Like, come on, give me, throw me a bone or whatever. But in two years, all I know. And Rita and I, we would have these conversations over the course of the next few years because that itch just kept getting more and more. And you scratch it and you scratch it. And as that itch is going, you want something to be done now. But the word was in two years. So in a year, you're like, you're still scratching. And like, it hasn't been two years yet. And so we're getting close to the two-year point. And like, what's going to happen? What's God going to do? Rita even said at one point, it's like, is someone going to have to die? Like, I don't, we don't want that, but whatever. I kid you not, the next day, my pastor calls me up and says, my dad died. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, I got I to gotta go do the funeral uh, in Texas. And it was like on a Saturday night. So I know this is short notice, but can you preach tomorrow and, and go? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you know, we're kind of going through that. He goes, preaches his dad's funeral comes back a week later and uh, I get a phone call on a Saturday morning says Mike I need you to come over to the house right now okay come over and that night some of you guys know my story uh, he got he had a warrant for his arrest for looking for child pornography on that very morning and I'm like what and in that moment I'm I'm like there's so much just emotions and questions you can only imagine or whatever and you're just trying to figure out what the heck and he ended up being convicted of that and and sent to prison and all of the drama that you can imagine that would go with that but that was at the two-year mark too where God was stirring some things and then you can imagine all the stuff going on with the church trying to just Okay, you got this whole thing of like, why God? Why would you even allow that? That's horrible. That's awful. Child pornography. I don't understand it. Like, this is terrible. And then at the same time, trying to figure out your own next steps of faith and what's going on and with the church. And the church is trying to, to move on to a new pastor and transition and try to be a light in the world. And thank goodness, I love First Baptist Church. They've moved on and they are doing a fantastic job in this town. But for Rita and I in that season, we're like, okay, God, you said in two years, I'll let you know what's going on. He says, you're free to look. Kind of through all that, you're free to look, free to look. That kind of meant for us, hey, you can, you're still going to be in ministry, but you're free to look and see, interview. And so we started doing interviews all around the country, kind of going through kind of what's next, God, or whatever. We went through seven interviews in seven months. They all look great. We're like, this is the next step. This is what God has for us. This is what's next. And they would all say, we love you, Mike, but no. And after seven months, it was like, oh, my gosh. I, I don't know. We need to kind of put a pause. And then God said in 2017, you're going to start Freedom Church. Okay, there's my, I don't, I don't want to, but okay, this is what you call me to do. We go do it. Freedom Church, we started in 2018. We're rocking and rolling. Everything's going great. 2020 hits and what? Boom, shut down. We're all down and in our homes right now because of COVID. I'm losing my mind as a leader. Why, God? What are you doing? I don't understand. Where do, I don't know how to do this online thing. I don't know where we're going. This makes no sense. Plus, you got the whole world dying. Everybody's fighting. This is bananas. Why? And I remember being on a hike one Sunday uh, after church. I, we went and climbed the top of L.A. Mountain. I love that hike. It's beautiful. We're at the top. I'm like, you know what? You're at the top of a mountain. Great place to just have it out with God. So I'm out there just, why? I don't know. This is crazy. This is stupid. I don't understand. Just letting him have it or whatever. And he comes back to me this time with spread hope. Spread hope. What do you want me to do? What are you going to do? I'm crying out and doing my thing. Spread hope. Well, I can do that. 
I don't know what, what's next. I don't know how to do the on thing, on thing, but I can spread hope. I can do that. So that's what it's been. This last year, back at Thanksgiving, we went to trip uh, to Zion. I'm having my quiet time with God out in Zion. He said, Mike, your word for 2023 is whispers. He's going to whisper things. He's been, I gave you an example of five different things. He's just kind of whispered right to my soul. This is nothing new with God. And for many of you, God whispers right to your soul. This is my word for 2023. So I'm trying to listen to the whispers. I'm trying to listen to the whispers. I'm trying to listen to the whispers. A couple months ago, I'm sitting there having my quiet time in the morning. I'm, I'm just there being by myself. And I hear this whisper, get up. Okay, get up. This is weird. Go to the back. I go to the back of my office where you can see, and the sun is starting to rise. It's, it's just the dawn before a new day. And he whispers, get ready. That's where I'm at right now. I don't know what that means. <laughs> get ready for what? I'm freaking out. But it's like the dawn of a new day. That's my word right now. That's what I'm holding on to. I could go, I could still be stuck in 2016 in that room with that pastor confessing what he had done and all that emotion. I could still be stuck there saying, why, why, why? And run and throw stones at the church and hate everything. Or I can ask, what, what do you want me to do now? And I keep moving forward and I keep moving forward and I keep moving forward. Right now I'm at get ready. I don't know what that means. This is like buckle up. Where are we going, God? I don't know. Just buckle up. Like, have you ever gotten in the car with somebody and, and you not know where you're going? No, you don't do that because you want to know where you're going. <laughs> How long is it going to take? All this sort of stuff. And he just says, buckle up. That's the ride of faith, by the way. That is the faith journey of ups and downs, highs and lows. And I could sit there and ask why all day, but a better question is asking what? And I want to tell you something. This is easier to say than it is, but to, 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 to actually realize if you will accept this, this is where we're kind of headed today. If you will accept this, the promise of God is greater than the pain. If you are in a, a moment or if you've experienced a moment where the pain is unbearable, and I, I'm not diminishing the pain, but I believe what God has on the other side, the promise is greater. What was the promise of what was Jesus doing in that moment was greater than the pain. He had faith and trusted in God's will because you know in the garden he was praying the night before saying, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, I don't want to do it. If there's any other way, can we do that? I do not want to do this, but not my will, your will. And the promise was greater than the pain. He says it like this in Romans chapter 8. One of the, if you need a chapter to read this week, get in your Bible, read Romans chapter 8. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So even if he doesn't answer it in this side of eternity, the promise isn't here. This isn't heaven. Heaven, the, the promise is, is going to be fulfilled even in eternity. Sometimes we get to see that here. So some practical things here. Four real practical things. If you want to take notes, I'm going to go through them real fast. One is if you're in a season of why. If you're in a season of why and you want to get unstuck and take some next steps of faith, get in a group. You got to get in a place, get with people where, where you can be real, where you can be you, where you can be vulnerable, where you can open up, where they can hold you in some of your lowest moments, but also they can hold you accountable too because I need someone to kick my butt every now and then. 
I want to stay in pity party Mike zone, and, and, and there's a lot of times in those years that I went through. I make it sound real easy. Oh, God said this, and then I said this, and then I said this, and then I did this, and here we are today at freedom. No, 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 no. It's not easy. And I need people who are going to hold me accountable as well. Get in a group. Second thing, be real with God. In my moments where I'm struggling with these questions, I'm doubting God and, I'm, and I'm, I'm wondering why and what's going on and I'm on the mountaintop and I'm screaming out to him, be real. He can take it. I guarantee you he can take it. He already knows, by the way. He already knows. So might as well just let him have it. Give it to him and let it go. Now, you may not like the answer that he gives you back. Hey, you're going to be a pastor. No, 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 no. I was not asking for that. But I'm just telling you, get it out. It's number three, practical. Look for the good. You got to look for the good. It is so easy to get in the trap when things are at their lowest moment. You're in the dark. You're in the valley. All you see is the dark. All you see is the valley. All you see is the hopelessness. And you can get so fixated. I'm going to promise you, God, your shepherd, read Psalm 23, the next one. Your shepherd is with you in the valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are there with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's there. Look for the good. He's there. Find those places. It's called gratitude. And sometimes just find something, anything you can be grateful for and find God in those moments. And then fourth thing, keep moving forward. Keep taking a next step of faith. I want to, uh, Ryan, can you come up here for a second? I, I, I talked to him just a minute ago. I want to show you this little example. Come right down here. So many of us. The promise that God has for us, let's just say it's, it's over here. I'm going to have you over here. And we're in these why moments of life. And if I'm honest, I'm like, here's the promise, God. Just pick me up and carry me over there. Right? I want you to pick me up. He could do it. He could do the miracle right now if he wanted to. He could just take me exactly where I know he wants me to go. But I'm telling you something, moving an inanimate object. <laughs> wow. <laughs> is not the easiest thing to do. I love you, bud. <laughs> just take a, a slow steps that way. Just go ahead and take a walk. Just walk. He's walking, he's walking. But I can get there and move him much easier when he is in motion. When he is taking next steps of faith. Ryan, thank you, man. You can go ahead. That's all I need to see. That's all I need to see. This, he could, he could, God can, he's big enough. He can pick me up and just take me over there. But this is the, this is the same thing that you see in almost every great faith story you see in scripture. I mean, I could just go to almost about any of them. I want to show you the promised land. The, he, he, he said, hey, I just rescued you out of slavery. I did that. I did that. But now I got this promised land for you, this inheritance. You're going to take it over. And they're like, okay. And then they go and spy out the land. And they spy out the land. And they see that there's people there already living there. And not only are there people living there, they're big. They're giants. They're strong. They're a mighty army. And uh-oh, we can't just walk over there. You can't just take us there. And so they say this. They say this. If only 
we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Say this next word with me. Why? Why is the Lord bringing us to the land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, we should choose another leader to go back to Egypt. You can stay stuck in the wilderness for another 40 years asking why. Or you can take a next step of faith moving forward on what God has planned and promised. So is it easy for them? No, no. But he had called them to take a next step. If you wanna, if you wanna see the promise of God, you've got to take these next steps of faith, big or little. I believe somebody here today, you are at this turning point in your faith journey. I don't know who this is and you're considering turning away or turning towards God. I believe you are right on the edge of a breakthrough. Your next step might be the one that parts the waters where you see God move and you see uh, maybe the marriage restored or you see certain things that are, that are happening today. You're like in the middle of a breakdown, but God told, he's like, there's people here, Mike, that need freedom. They need to take this next step of faith. And if they give up now, they're like just short of a breakthrough. And I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to give up. So if God's whispering to your soul today, if he's telling you what is that next step that you need to take in the middle of your why, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the pain, but I am believing that there's a greater promise on the other side that God has for you. And whatever he's speaking to you today, I want you to take that next step of faith. We all have destinations that we wanna get to. Hey, if I could travel anywhere in the world, I would go there. Well, guess what? God's not gonna teleport me there. He could, I wish he would, but no. I'm gonna, ha I, you know what? I gotta pack my bags. I gotta buy a ticket. I gotta drive down to Albuquerque. I gotta go through the steps and eventually I'm gonna get there and he's gonna be with you. He's gonna be with you the entire way. That's the promise. You have a Lord and a savior who did all the work and he's with you in your next steps. Let's stand and let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you wanna partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's gonna get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.